Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey, everybody. This is Damon Johnson. You're listening to my man. Jay Scott on the hook rocks. Come on. Hey everybody, what's going on? Good evening to you. It's another episode of the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well out there, staying safe and staying healthy. As I always say, I found I sound like a broken record. It is a crazy time out there, but as always, music is the power to heal and gives you the power to get through things like this. And there is no better time to digest new music to absorb new music, to check out things that maybe you've been waiting to check out or you said you didn't, haven't had any time. Most people are working from home now. Hopefully most people are still working. That's the, that's, the, that's the most important thing. But put some music on, listen to it, check it out. I guarantee you there's going to be stuff out there that you like and that you want to continue listening to. So it can open up a whole, whole bunch of new stuff for you. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome in our next guest, which uh, I'm really excited about, been a big fan of his all the way since the Wild Dogs era in the early to mid-80s, and that is Mr. Dean Castronova. What's going on, man? How are you, my brother Jay? Everything is good? Freezing here in Oregon? I, as I said, I'm sure you're freezing in Chicago. <laughs> yes, <laughs> All yes. is well, brother. All is well. Yeah, and the, and the big freeze is about to happen. It's supposed to drop down to like 16 on Friday. And, wow. uh, you know, so you got to put the shorts and sandals away finally. 
<laughs> well, the funny thing was, that was probably about a week ago. It was clear out. It looked really pretty, a little cold, you know. And then by 4 o'clock, it started snowing. I mean, and in Oregon, in the valley where I live in Salem, are you kidding? Everybody freaks out like Californians do when they have rain. You know, it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So here we are driving. I'm, I'm slipping in the slide, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. But, yeah, man, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. I saw in Malibu last week or two weeks ago that they had snow in Malibu. And I'm like, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've never heard of that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the podcast, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooks them on rock and roll. What was it for you, Dean? Kiss. <laughs> my my first experience with Kiss was uh, I was seven or eight, yeah, something like that, and my older brother Mike had uh, Dressed to Kill the album, the actual vinyl, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the coolest freaking thing ever! So put it on, listen to it, and I said, I love this band. This is cool. Then I saw them on the Midnight Special, or Don Kirsten's Rock Concert, one of those shows. And they were on with the fire, and, the, and I was like, oh, I want to do that when I get older. I'm going to do that. And that was it, dude. I mean, they were my Beatles. So it, it changed me forever. It's a, you know, that's what it was. Kiss. I hear that a lot about Kiss. It was a lot of musicians' Beatles in the 70s. You know, it was that moment. Yeah. And they had such a pull in. They had the makeup. They had the explosions. They had the stage presence. You know, they had all of that. And it it just pulled a lot of musicians in, like in that mid-70s to late-70s era. Yep. For me, it was. I mean, I was born in 64. So, you know, I missed the good stuff, like the Beatles. I missed Zeppelin. I mean, when they came out, I was born. I mean, mean, that kind of stuff I was – I didn't really get into until later in my my, uh, drumming career, I guess. But – yeah, it was Kiss, dude. I just saw that. And the funny thing was, when, when I was younger, probably about 14, 15, I said, you know, I want to be in one of two bands. I want to be in either Kiss or Journey, for real. And uh, thank God I got the Journey gig because I look like crap in spandex. So that wouldn't have been good. Most but of yeah, us do. <laughs> Especially at my age, dude. Too much sagging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Age catches up to you. Age, age definitely oh, yeah. has the effect on spandex. Oh, dude, definitely. <laughs> so, so from Kiss, where did it go? Where did it go from there with, with drumming? Who was your early influences with drumming? Oh, God, first it was Peter, of course. And then I saw, literally, I saw Rush open for Kiss. And uh, my drum teacher had taken me. I was 11. And uh, I saw Neil Peart. And, uh, and my mind just, like, light bulb. I was like, look at that guy. But he plays all those drums. You know what I mean? Because Peter had a big kit, but he, he wasn't really a you know a player player. So it was Neil Peart, man, that that really changed me as a as a drummer to you know be more innovative and and I would analyze every little thing Neil did. Just you know how he would build drum you know drum licks. If you know in parts of the song, it'd be one little thing and then a little better, and then by the third one, you know before the last chorus, it'd be some wicked drum lick. So I learned a ton from Neil. Just be just play, you know. Be open and play. You don't have to just play time. So it was it was Neil Peart, and then I, I got uh, my father actually brought me. Um, God, which was I think it was uh, no, it was actually my my guitarist got me the Infinity record, and and he just brought the vinyl over. I hadn't seen the cover or anything. He goes here, you need to learn this song a lot today, and uh, so I learned the song, and he was like, well, you 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 know you haven't hit puberty yet. You should you know go ahead and give it a try, sing it, you know. So that's where I started to sing. 
was doing, you know, journey stuff. So, you know, it was Peter Chris, uh, Neil Peart, Steve Smith, and of course, Terry Bozio. And then there's a ton of, of metal drummers that I just love to death. So, you know, that's kind of where I was, man. Wasn't Ainsley Dunbar, or was he, did he already leave the album, or leave the band by, by Infinity? I, you know, I think he left right after Infinity. It started doing good, and then uh, they brought Smith in. And Ainsley was a great drummer as well, man, just yeah. a monster player. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was, it, back then, it was listening to more Steve Perry's voice and the songwriting, just incredible songwriting. So did you always sing and play, or did the singing come after that? Well, you know, I, I started playing drums, obviously. Then I learned the Journey stuff, and I started singing. And then it just became a natural thing, you know? I, I formed bands with a couple of friends of mine here in Oregon, and, and it was the band was called The Enemy. This was way before Wild Dogs. And I was the lead singer-drummer. It was a, a trio. And we sounded like Rush. All of our originals sounded like Rush. I mean, it was just, you know, that thing. So... I started lead singing then, and um, then Wild Dogs came, and I just became, you know, freaking metal, you know, background singer guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after Wild Dogs, and not, then you got kind of hooked in with Trapnell, and you did a lot of stuff with them and different projects yeah. and different albums as well. I mean, namely, namely, it's like Tony McAlpine and Cacophony, too, as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, Cacophony, Jason Becker and Marty Friedman together. It was unbelievable. I mean, those records there. I mean, Wild Dogs, I, you know, Reign of Terror, I got to really open up and play the way I wanted to play. But when, when I started playing with Marty, I mean, he was just like, oh, do whatever you want, man. Yeah, that sounds cool. Try this. And try. It was incredible. I, I, Mike Barney gave me the opportunity to explore playing and just, just rip it up. So I have to give a lot of credit to Mike Barney. And, uh, of course, uh, Jason and Marty, because they really – they got me into that really, really crazy freaking drumming style. It was fun. For, for my listeners out there who love the shredding aspect of guitar playing, there really isn't, isn't an album from one side to the other that shreds like cacophony. I mean, it's just with, you, with your drumming and their guitar playing, it is like, it's like, a, it's like a music orgasm. <laughs> Dude, it was so much fun, too. I loved working with both those guys. Jason was hilarious. Marty, you know, was more the the the, uh, the thinker guy. You know what I mean? So working with them was just a joy, man. I, I loved it. You know, just loved it. Yeah, and I've always said too. You know, when I first heard the Bad English record, which came after those yeah. albums, yeah, I remember hearing the drums, and I'm like, damn, who's this drummer? Like, like because it completely defined the sounds, especially in the song "Forget Me Not." Which you just absolutely kick ass on that song, and I remember I remember reading the liner notes. I'm like, oh, wait, that name sounds so familiar. Like, where did I see that name? And then that's when I'm like, oh wait, wait, he was in Wild Dogs. And then like, of course, yeah. like Tony the the Tony McAlpine record that I knew about, and you know, Cacophony yeah. as we just mentioned. But man, the drumming on that Bad English debut album is just fantastic. Oh, dude, thank you. You know, that was a really special time for me. I was. 23 <laughs> when I joined, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, it was just a blast. Uh, you know, just, I remember doing the record and I think with the exception of two songs, all of the songs on that record drum wise are one take. Cause I was just so freaking excited and I wanted it to be perfect. You know, I just dug in and, uh, yeah, dude, that, that was a, the greatest time of my career. Honestly, was, was getting that big break. That was pretty amazing. You really, Developed a relationship with Neil Sean and of course Jonathan yeah. Ken was in that that band too as well and that obviously returned with Journey. How did that relationship start? Did it start there with Bad English and 
And or yeah. was there anything before that? Well, the funny thing was, is I was, I was actually playing with Tony McAlpine and I was coming down to rehearsals uh, in San Rafael. I walk in and there's Neil uh, messing around with Tony and, and this keyboardist, Mark Robinson. And they were just freaking ripping it up and tearing it up. And, and I met him and I was freaking out right there. I was like, oh my God, freaking Neil Sean. Oh my God. So I sit down on the drum kit and, and he starts playing all these riffs. And I just, we just jam it, just having fun. And then he, he goes through, do you, do you know any of the journey stuff? And I said, yeah, all of it. <laughs> so we started playing journey stuff and uh, he walked out of the room. We got done, shook his hand, walked out. And I'm looking at my tech going, oh my God, dude, I just played with Neil Sean. This is freaking amazing. 10 minutes later, the door opened and he's like, hey man, come here. And I literally looked at my drum tech and said, he's talking to you or me, man. <laughs> and, and he was like, come here. And he took me into his, his cool red Ferrari Testarossa and he puts in a cassette of all these demos of, of this solo record he was thinking of doing. He goes, you like this stuff? I'm like, heck yeah. He goes, well, I'd like you to play on the record. I was like, oh, dude. So anyway, I go home. I'm freaking out. A week goes by and he goes, you know what? I'm scrapping the solo thing. I'm doing this thing with John Waite, John Kane, you know, Ricky Phillips. And um, I, I, I said I would come down if you came down. And I was just, just you know, humbled. It's like, heck yeah. So I went down and, and uh, rehearsed with him for about a week and got the gig. And um, yeah, ever since then, Neil has been a catalyst to, to 90% of my career, man. I owe him a lot. I owe him a ton. We'll circle back with some of those things, hopefully later in the interview. But, you know, the big news is last week you announced that you were stepping out of the Dead Daisies because of some yeah. health issues because of your back. Um, yes, it was a shock to a lot of people. Um, what, how did that, tra- I mean, obviously the health issues probably have something that's been going on for a while, but what was the final, you know, nail in the coffin with that? Well, you know, we hadn't been touring and, uh, you know, it, for me it was like, this is probably the best time to get the surgery done. And then of course COVID has screwed all of that up. I had the, uh, the surgery scheduled and they canceled it because they did a lockdown in Oregon. So I started looking elsewhere. I found a doctor in Las Vegas. I had that booked, and the Daisy said, you can't do this right now. You, we've got too much stuff to do. You, you have to hold off, you know, because you're not going to have enough time to heal before we start banging away and start rehearsing. Okay? So I had to cancel that one, and um, it was just a really – it was hard for me to leave, dude. I, I love David Lowie, Doug, Glenn. I love them. They're, they're like family to me, and I had such a great time working with them. But for me at this point, it was like I felt like I was holding the band back. I was like, I can't you know, do the surgery right now. It's, and they've got a lot of work to do and I'm in utter freaking pain. So I was like, you know what? I just, I just need to step back guys. It's time for me to just step back. I don't want to hold you guys back. So, you know, they have a lot of stuff that, that band is constantly doing stuff. I mean, social media interviews, they work hard. And I just felt like it was time for me to go. I didn't want to hold them back, you know? So here I am right now still trying to get the surgery scheduled because of COVID. It's been a nightmare, bro. Just a nightmare. So, you know, here I am today. I, again, I love those guys. I love the fans, man. They were loyal, so freaking loyal. And I'm going to miss them all. I really am. It, but uh, I think it was best for me to just step aside and let them continue, you know, without me holding them back. So, How does that, how does this back injury affect your playing? I think maybe oh, people need to understand that. Yeah, I've got two uh, herniated discs, uh, the L4 and the L5 which is, uh, you know, the left-hand side of the, the lower back. And literally, my right leg, uh, my toes, 
and half of my cap are numb. I can't feel anything. So the play is like, I really don't know. You know, I know I'm doing it, but it's just, it's a weird feeling to not be able to feel the response from a, a kick drum pedal. So it's re- it was really hard. And then of course, you know, the, the dead daisies, they do eight hour rehearsals a day. They don't screw around, man. It's nonstop. You get a break for lunch and blaze back in. And it was killing me. Uh, the last time we went out in August, it was, it was rough on me. Uh, I was on pain medication. And of course I'm, I'm not a big fan of that stuff. Cause you know, I'm a recovering addict. So, that was another issue. It's like, I can't be taking all these meds just to get through this. You know, I can't do that. So for me, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to play, dude. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Sitting down and having that right leg. I mean, it's pulling and it runs right down the back of your leg into your calf. It's gnarly. So for me, it was like, dude, this is, this is almost impossible unless I'm on pain medication. And I just, you know, again, I'm a recovering addict. It's not something I enjoyed taking. So now I'm at the point where I'm getting a shot. They're doing an epidural shot in the back just to like ease the tension and the pain until I can get this surgery. So that's happening in the next week and a half. I think they're going to shoot me up with this in my back. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm just, you know, once it's healed and it's better, man, I'll be raring to go. I'm, you know, I'm that way. I'm a workaholic. So how long has this been going on? Like how long did this, uh, this back injury or these back condition affect you? Mm-hmm. Man, it's, uh, it started, I think it was in around 2019 in May. We were in, in New York auditioning Glenn or Glenn's auditioning us, one or the other. But, you know, I, I started feeling it. I was like, damn, what's wrong? Maybe I just pulled a muscle or something. And it just started to get progressively worse and worse. So I went, I remember it was August 5th of last year. I, it was just unbearable. I went into the emergency room and said, like, what, what can we do? Can we do? So they gave me a CAT scan, a CT scan, and then an MRI. And they, they saw the herniated discs, you know, which is, just something that uh it's been getting worse and worse and uh so you know that's that's kind of where that started was probably around august of last year it started really getting horrible i'm a huge dead daisies fan i love everything about the band i love me too yeah i love i love every (laughs) member that's been in it that isn't it you know whether it's doug aldrich or john karabi glenn hughes i mean i've had doug and glenn on the show at different times you know brian tishy who was the drummer before you why i love brian yeah i mean as a fan it does get frustrating because there is always a new member why is that with the dead daisies i mean obviously your reason is different than others but why is there that revolving door with the band? Well, the band is not really a band per se. Uh, it's called a collective. So, you know, guys come and go. You know, Richard Fortas, you know, he was, he was in the days. He's doing a lot. And, of course, GNR called him. And he's like, I'm out, you know. Um, it was, it's, I think that's just the way that band is. And David Lowy likes working with different people as well. So it's no skin off his nose if somebody decides to leave or, or you know, he's got a better offer. He's always like, you know, hey, do what you got to do. And, um, so I think that's what it is, man. People, they'll, they'll do the, the daisies for a while and, uh, some other better will come up or they'd like to go on their own, whatever it is, you know? And, and the beauty of it is they give you that freedom. There's no contracts or anything like that. They'll, you know, we'll discuss it. We tell them what's going on and they say, thank you for being here. It was a lot of fun. And once a daisy, always a daisy. So I'll always be a daisy in some form <laughs> as long as I'm not pushing them up. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> yes. Obviously, you know, the news hit last week. I know, you know, you do a lot of side projects. You know, you had the Revolution Saints. You've had other stuff happening, too. And, you know, now there's another side project that has turned into something that that is permanent now. 
Yeah, pretty much, dude. I mean, we were doing, it's called The Rise Above, and it, it features uh, J.J. Marcus from Rascal Flatts uh, and Jason Shep, uh, the bassist and singer for Chicago. And we were just doing benefit shows. It was just, you know, charity shows. We did one for the, uh, the, the crew members in Nashville. Uh, we did Ron White, what's it called? Um, Number One Tequila Quarantine Concert Series. So we did it once, and, and I think we had 11.5 million live streams, which was great. So we raised a ton of money for you know crew members and, and people in the industry that weren't you know making any money. So that was one thing. And then we ended up a couple months later, we did another one, um, you know, and um, this one went to the the first responders uh, from COVID, like the nurses, you know, the people that you know front lines, the people that take the tests. So that one we had 13.5 million live streams. So it's like, man, we got something good here. And what we're doing, it's, it's um, we do like Chicago songs, a couple Journey songs, Rascal Flatts songs. We just kind of mix it up because everybody in the band has a great pedigree. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, uh, the other guitarist in the band, was Kenny Loggins' guitarist and Amy Grant's guitarist for eons. Just amazing. And, and what an amazing singer as well. And then you got Tom Yankton, who's the guitarist for Rascal Flatts. Another guy, he just sings like a freaking bird and rips it up on guitar. So it was just something that we were doing to have fun, you know, just like let's do these benefit concerts to help people out. Let's, you know, change the world for the better. Let's do something cool. And um, so once I, you know, I decided to leave, I was like, well, you know, I'll talk to Jay. And, and once I get this surgery done, see if anything's going to happen or if we're going to, you know, make this a permanent thing. Because, of course, he's got Rascal Flats, And, you know, it, it was something that was like, well, you know, I'm in there. And if we decide to work, I mean, I don't know when because COVID is a bitch. So it's one of those things where we're just kind of sitting around and, and writing songs. And, and bottom line, dude, we're just having a good time. And it's a lot of fun. So if it does become a permanent situation, you guys will be the first to know. you know. But right now, it's just something that we do. These benefit shows. And, and it's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. So that's kind of where I'm going to be going. But it's, it's right now, again, with COVID, you, are we going anywhere? <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, yeah. I haven't you know, really done much since uh, – December of 18. That was our last show with the Davies. I haven't been on a tour, so I'm a little rusty, bro. <laughs> well, I think all of us are rusty in some, you know, oh, yeah. you know, uh, form or fashion, but no, that's interesting, <laughs> you know, because, you know, that's a very interesting collaboration, um, a little bit different yeah. than what you've done before. A lot of the collaborations and projects that you have done have been along yeah. the lines of, you know, other rockers getting together like Revolution Saints or whatever yeah. the project was, and, you know, this is more geared towards with with different artists that maybe you would not normally work with yeah it's a mishmash man i mean i'd be honest with you i never was a country fan ever i just never liked it and then um i did the uh, we did vh1 crossroads with rascal flats uh before the super bowl it was uh, i don't remember what year it was but it was incredible and i was like man these guys sound like a country version of journey the, the stuff is amazing the hooks and the vocals are just like unbelievable so i kind of uh, got a rapport with Jay DeMarcus, the bass player. He and I, just we just hit it off. He's just a sweetheart of a guy. And, uh, you know, it, he called up and said, hey, you want, do you want to do this little thing? We're just having some fun. Would you be interested in coming down and, to Nashville and, and, you know, cutting some tracks and, and having fun? Yeah. I was like, man, I'm in. Let's go do it. So, yeah, for me, dude, I mean, I was a Chicago fan, but I wasn't a real big Rascal Flatts fan until – I heard the records and I literally after that, I downloaded every one of them. I just, and I love this stuff. It's just amazing stuff. So yeah, for me, you know, uh, the stuff we've recorded is a little longer lines of, it's got the country vocal twang. Definitely. 
but you know, it's, it's a mishmash of, it's kind of like a journey rascal flat Chicago band. I mean, there's like inflections of all the bands in there and it's, it's just really a lot of fun, man. The guys are great people. Management is fantastic. It's just really a good place, you know? So if COVID opens up, if they decide to let us do something, I'm sure we'll do more charity events and stuff like that. And, and just play for fun, you know, just have some fun. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, when you, when you describe all that stuff, it's big hooks, it's yeah. big melodies. It's, yeah. you know, it's really, you, you know, an, an enormous sound is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I say, I was able to send you a couple songs and, and you seem to like it, bro. So I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as long as you like it, I'm a good, I'm in good place. That's good. You know, I get, I get music sent to me all the time and I always kind of yeah. know what to expect. You know, whenever yeah. I, whenever I get something, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, this is so, so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, I, I got this. And I'm like, I really don't know what I'm going to be listening to. So that it was kind of yeah. exciting for me to check that out. And then when yeah. I hit play, I was like, Oh man, this is, this is incredible. This is like really, really cool stuff. This is, this is an era where, or this is comes from an era where there was the big harmonies and the big hooks. I mean, bands just don't do that. New bands just don't do that anymore. I know, dude. It's sad. Well, music to me, nowadays with the exception of bands like the Daisies and stuff like that, man, it's all watered down. It's just, you know, let's use tracks and let's use vocal harmonizers and let's do this and this. It's become very soulless, which in my opinion. I mean, you know, I got to say hip hop though. I, you know, I'm not a big fan, but I'm a fan of the genre and that stuff's got soul. Some of those guys are, you know, major, major great. Uh, but then you get some of the other ones that are auto-tuned and all that stuff. I think, man, this just sounds fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, you know, a lot of fans are doing that. Yeah, there's two, there's like two different factions of rock and hard rock music now. There's like what you said. Uh-huh. There's the there's the bands that use the tracks and the and the samples and and you know the auto tune and everything. Yeah. And I yeah. guess people like that. They have an audience for that stuff. But then there's a resurgence of like this blues based rock that's coming out now. Yeah. You know, like daisies, man. Like daisies, yeah. and you talk about like the dirty honeys, and and you talk about like you know the joyous wolves, and all these new bands that are creeping up. And, and doing these yeah. things, one of this one of the, my favorite bands too is this band from Ohio called South of Eden, and and these guys are like from I mean a couple of these guys went to Berkeley and they're and they're just an incredible. The guy's got an incredible voice, and you hear mm-hmm. like that throwback to that seventies and eighties type yeah. of music, whereas they're yep. not using it comes from that soulful place that you talk about. And, yeah, dude, I, my one big example to me is is Greta Van Fleet. Freaking love those guys. I love the stuff they're doing because it's honest, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a little Zeppelin-y sounding, but who gives a crap? At least it's got some heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love yeah. it, too. Yeah, Great and those stuff. guys, I, I have a 16-year-old son, and he loves Greta Van Fleet. And I took uh-huh. him to see them in concert a couple years ago. And he he walks out. He's like, Dad, that was a religious experience. <laughs> uh, see, that you know what? You're training your son right. You know, that's I, yeah. my oldest son, Kyle. He's the same way. He likes metal and stuff like that. And, and he, you know, I taught him at an early age, man. <laughs> you know, you point him in the direction and let him go. So, you know, that's cool, bro. I've never seen them live and I would love to. Yeah. He dug it, huh? Yeah, no, I take him to a lot of shows. I, I, I took him to see, God, he's seen Ace Freely. I took him to <sighs> see. Uh, uh, winery dogs, you know, and, uh, and, and another good one. Yeah, he couldn't believe. It. He's like, he's like, Dad, three guys are making all that music. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's talent right there, you know. You know what? And it's got some heart to it. Right. It's beautiful, right. man. When you see bands like that, Richie Cotton's a freaking animal. Dude. Great singer, great guitarist, unbelievable. Yeah, and and I think you know, as a rock fan, and, and you sound like you're the same too. 
I always appreciate, even if I'm not crazy about it, I always appreciate when it comes from an authentic place. You know, yes, sir. when it, yes, sir. when it, when you, when you, like you said, there's heart in it, like there's, there's emotion yeah. in it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'd rather hear that than a band that's filled with tracks and, and, yep. and, you know, I want to hear yeah. the mistakes. I want to hear the rawness of it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a story. When, when Glenn joined the band, uh, we were listening to the back catalog, you know, and he was, he was kind of checking it out and, and, you know, he's like, well, I'll sing this one. I'll sing that one. And, you know, uh, it was like, he, he sat down with me. He goes, you know what it is, bro? I can't, I can't sing something that I don't believe. If I'm not going to believe it, if I don't believe it, you know, the fans ain't going to believe it either. So I got to be true to myself, man. If I don't feel it, I ain't singing it. That was so refreshing, man. That's a true artist. You know, you're not, he's not just calling it in. Well, I got to sing this song. So I'm going to sing this song. It's like, man, I don't feel this. This is not working for me. I don't want to do it. That was awesome to me. That was just like, man, I've never heard. That's the first time I've ever heard somebody saying, you know, if I don't believe it, I ain't doing it. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. I remember hearing an interview with Getty Lee from Rush, and uh-huh. the guy that was doing the interview asked him a really interesting question because he is the singer. He's the one that delivers the words to the audience. And yeah. he, they, he asked him that, that question, like, how do you how do you connect with Neil's lyrics? Cause Neil wrote all the lyrics in rush. Right. And there was, I didn't know this at the time, but there was a little bit of not collaboration, but, but Neil would talk with Getty about phrasing, about the lyrics, about, because Getty, like you said, like Glenn had to believe in what he was singing to the audience. Yes. And it is True so artist, important. Jake. Yeah. yeah. So important. You know, it, and you don't see that happening. You know, most people now they're the higher guns. They do what they're told. They play what they do. They sing what they do, you know, and, and that's all fine and good. But Glenn to me is a true artist. And, and I love that. That was really refreshing to hear, you know, really refreshing. You know, the new album by days, dead daisies is out. It just was released here a couple weeks ago. And again, yeah. you talked about Glenn Hughes, who's an absolute legend to, yeah. you know, to play with. And you've played with a lot of great people. What was it like working with a guy like Glenn? Well, first of all, the man. I love the person. What an amazing soul he had. Um, you know, in recovery as well. And a sweetheart, dude. So humble and, and gracious and great. You know, a lot, just an all-around amazing man. I mean, he really is. And um, then when we got down to play, dude, I mean, I've locked. There's probably five guys, basis on the planet that I've worked with that, that I could get. And we got each other. There was a chemistry. And Glenn is one of those, man. When we played, it was like a freaking freight train. I'm not joking. Glenn's a very aggressive bassist. And, of course, me, I'm an aggressive drummer. So it was a marriage made in heaven. It's just unbelievable. And then to be able to sing backgrounds with him, his pitch is perfect, dude. It blows my freaking mind. He's got perfect pitch. And to sing with him was effortless, just effortless. I could harmonize with him nonstop. It was just unbelievable. You know, so I'm going to miss work. I wanted to tour with him really bad. That would have been amazing. Uh, but he's he's one of my top five, dude. Unbelievable player. Yeah, when I had him on the show, I asked him about how he keeps his voice in such yeah. great shape because, I mean, it's, he sounds still sounds incredible. And he said something really interesting. He always stays in the moment. Like, he doesn't. He, he doesn't stress about a note that he's got to hit. He always just stays where he needs to be, and it, yep. and it just comes out the way it's meant to be. And that, I found that really interesting. And dude, that's that's you know that's the way I've approached stuff in the studio. Um, I'll just go in and I'll play what feels good, you know, lick wise anything. Just you know, playing for the song, and it's just like that. You just gotta 
you got to flow, man. It's a spiritual thing, in my opinion. Music is a very spiritual thing. And uh, you got that connection with the universe or with God or whatever, you know, you believe in. It's incredible, dude. And that's what, that was always my biggest problem is I go in the studio and just play. Just, you know, whatever came out would, would come out. And then there'd be time to go rehearse. I'm like, God, I don't remember what I, I don't remember that. Like, oh, that, okay. I would have to relearn my parts, you know. But live, it was a different thing. I would just play. I mean, I, I stayed true to Brian Tishy's drumming because I think he's a monster. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I, I was able to kind of put my own spin on the stuff. And um, I just, yeah, every night was different for me. Every night. The new album by the Dead Daisies is Holy Ground. And I know it was delayed last year because of COVID. And that was a decision you guys had to make. It was a di- difficult decision for not just the Dead Daisies, but a lot of bands that had to, yeah. you know, put pause on what they were creating. What right. was, you know, you talk about, you know, the surgeries and you talk about this album. What was that like, you know, having the pandemic, having this album, having, you know, the surgery that you needed to have, not yeah. knowing when things were going up, kind of just playing it by ear. I don't know what your life was prior to this, but that had to be just stressful in itself just to have all that going on. Oh, dude, for me, you know, um, I'm a workaholic. Again, I love being on the road. I love working. And I have been out for almost, you know, coming up on three years. It, it was an adjustment in that regard, definitely. I was like, man, I'm, I'm used to being on tour. This is weird, being home all the time, washing my clothes all the time, taking out the garbage all the time, vacuuming all the time. You know what I mean? It's like I became a mom, you know? And it was, that's the hardest part for me is that to be sitting and not being able to, to go on the road. Because even though I love making records, live is where I live, dude. I love playing for the fans. So, yeah, that part of it is a huge adjustment. But when I'm off the road, when I have been on tour and, and I come off the road, nothing really changed. I'm, I'm always, I just stay home. I'm not one of those guys that goes hanging out in clubs and, you know, cruising around the town. I'm a homebody. So, for me, that wasn't, I mean, being stuck in lockdown, for me, it was like, yeah, well, that's, this is what I do when I come off the road anyway. I just shut it off and boom, I'm home. So that wasn't as big of an adjustment. But now it's starting to get tedious. You know, God, take the vaccine. Let's get out of here. I'm ready to go. I mean, I haven't been off this long in eons, bro. It's, this is weird for me. And I imagine, too, with the album, you know, the Dead Daisies album that you guys had in the can, right? It was it was done. Yeah. It was produced. It was, I think it was yep. ready to come out last May or April. Yep. I think it was April of, of yeah of uh, 2020. Yeah, we were ready to go on the tour. We were going to get go to rehearsals. It was I mean the record was done. Uh, I finished backgrounds in January, so of of uh, 19. So you know we were ready to to take it out and and freaking you know release it and go. And then this all happened, and it was like oh god, we got to push it back. So the Dead Daisies, being as intelligent as they are, okay, we're jumping on social media. We're going to do you know live streams. We're gonna we're gonna keep busy. Let's just keep keep the train rolling. So, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff that I'm not a real big fan of. I'm not, I don't like social media very much. Uh, it's, it's, for me, it's just, a, it's a love hate relationship, I guess. I, um, so for me to do, you know, to be the social media darling, of course, that ain't going to work. So I did the best I could to make it fun. And, and like we did Dino's car karaoke, that which is a blast for me. I love doing that. Um, so that's kind of what we had to do. We had to switch gears and go, okay, what do we do to keep the band alive, to keep the fans uh, locked in? You know what I'm saying? So that was David Edwards, manager David Edwards, who's a brilliant guy. And he was like, boom, let's, let's do this. I've got Dino's car karaoke. Let's try that. And then, you know, we would just keep the fans engaged. 
and and I got to hand it to David Edwards. He's a very intelligent man when it comes to that. He knew exactly where to go. We weren't just sitting going, no, what do we do? You know, his his wheels are always spinning, man. Always. Well, I imagine too that knowing that something's completed and yeah. knowing that you know you're always proud of anything that you do. You know, yes. you know, especially being in the Dead Daisies, and you want your fans to hear it. That had yeah. to be frustrating, knowing that you had this album that you were proud yeah. of. You were working with Glenn for the first time. You want people to hear this, and yeah. you had to wait, and you had to wait, yeah. and you had to wait. <laughs> and we're still waiting. I mean, it's like I, I was so excited about this record. I really love the music. I mean, I really think this is going to take the daisies to the next level. That's my opinion. But when, when I, I was, like, anxious to, to like, send it out, and, and David Edwards was like, no, dude, you can't. Don't send it out yet. Don't you know? Don't play it for a bunch of people. I'm like, but I gotta. But 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 I gotta. You know. So that was definitely frustrating. So I would give snippets to friends of mine. Check this song out. I'd be like that. Check this song out. So you know, it, it that was really frustrating. Definitely frustrating. And you mentioned you know just sitting during this pandemic and and you know yeah. being rusty on the drums. I mean, have you been playing a lot? I mean, obviously the back injury is there. You know, yeah. has there been? Well, a- you- yeah. For me, boy, I, you know, this is one of the things I've, I've always done. And it's like, when I get off the road, I, I don't touch them. I really don't. I just dive into family and kids and then I'll go in here and there and play a little bit. But usually I take about a month before a tour or before rehearsals and I go in and I woodshed, you know, two or three hours a day, just playing, just warming up and, and getting stuff back. So, you know, cause it's like riding a bike. Once you got it, you know, it's just mu- muscle memory. So for me, it was like I never brought my work home with me. You know, uh, the kids needed dad. They didn't need, you know, Dean Casanova, the drummer for Dead Daisies. So, you know, for me, I put it on the on the back burner until it's time to go to work. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I've always done, man. I give a month before rehearsal and, and I just freaking burn it out. You know, just play as much as I can, get in shape, sing, and done. You know, by the time we're in rehearsals, I'm, I'm a, you know, well-oiled machine. Yeah, you know, it's for a guy, I mean, just looking at your history, there's always things going on with you, and there's always music that's being put out. You're always a part of something. And, yeah, yeah this was, you know, I, I was talking with uh, Damon Johnson a short while ago. And, oh, I love Damon. Yeah, and, he, and, and I was telling him, like, I just had this thought the other day that, you know, when is the movie studio going to put out a movie about the pandemic of 2020? And if they do... Yeah. I don't want to go see it. Like I live this. Like, like, do I, do I want to go? Do I want yeah, to go? And, it. Yeah, and like I, I live through this. I don't need a movie to tell me what happened. You know, it's like, you know. No kidding, man. Why do you need to be, you know, remember remember that? I, I don't want to remember it. I definitely don't want to document it because I lived it. You're yeah, right, Jake. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, what are they gonna? You know, I mean, like, uh, what am I gonna get all upset all over again and just walk out, you know, angry? I'm like. You know, I'm going to go see, you know, and that's interesting, too, because I have often talked with many people about this, several people about this, about how, you know, we we lost Eddie Van Halen in October. And just a a, a huge loss in music and Mm -hmm. just a a big name, a huge loss, a huge influential loss. And we look back at the time when Van Halen was rising, right? They, yeah, they, they, yeah. They brought fun back into rock music. You know, it was a it was a it was a party. And I think now with all the stress and all the negativity that has happened over the last year or two, you know, whether it's with COVID, whether it's with politics, I think the fun is ready to come back into music. Yeah, dude, I'm with you, Jay. And I think that bringing live music back 
is essential. It really is. People need to go and, and watch concerts and kind of just get away from what's happened the last three or four years. It's been a nightmare for America, you know, and for the world, really. So, you know, to have that uh, outlet, which has been sorely missed, bro. You know, it, people need it. I need it. I need to go see some concerts, man. I was all excited to go see Corn in February of, of 2020 and uh, took that out. I'm like, son of a gun, man. You know what I mean? It's just a bummer. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a fan too. I want to go to concerts. I want to see bands, I, you know, and I want to play. So I, I agree with you, man. It, it, we need happy again. We need happy and joy, joy and, you know, Ren and Stimpy and let's tear it up. You know? Yeah, and, and when you, you know when you, you sent me some of the music that you sent me and I heard it, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, with Rise Above that I was really connected with because it reminded me of that time when you were younger and you were cruising yeah. around in the summer and you had the windows yep. open or the top down, you were at the beach yep. and you had these big melodies and these big hooks yeah. playing. And yeah. that was, it was such a great time because music kind of navigated you through that. And for, yeah. for, for a long time, music has, it's been great. Don't get me wrong, but it has a, just yeah. a different tone to it. Whereas yeah. now everything that's happening with people just wanting to do stuff and go out and, and, and everybody I, I talk to, everyone I talk to, just wants positivity right at this point they just want they just want to forget about all the bs and all the negative and just positive and that's why i'm saying you know fun back in music singing about fun stuff again you know what i mean positivity dude i mean that's and that's the beauty of the the rise above the stuff that we have recorded it's very you know positive you know very uplifting it's it's great stuff you know i i love playing it i really do yeah, and, and I t- immediately connected with that, you know, because yeah. growing up, you know, listening to bands like Chicago or Journey and obviously Kiss and other bands too, it reminded yeah. me just of that time. It was very, it, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds simple, but it's also complex yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And it is, it's the soundtrack to our, our teen years or whatever, you know, our, our youth and, you know, like bands like Journey, I mean, Kiss and stuff. I put that stuff on and it reminds me, oh man, I remember I was at this party and there was a bunch of people. You know, it brings you back to the good times, man. And that's why it's such an imperative thing. It's so important to bring it back, man. We, it would be such a relief for everyone. Everyone. You know, music's a very spiritual thing and it really touches. And it can change lives, man. It's a cool thing. There is, I, I still believe, in terms of healing, in terms of Mental healing yeah. and, and all that music is a great tool yeah. for it because it gives yeah. you the ability to say things that maybe you can't articulate. You know, you yeah. find a lyric that you connect with and yeah. you, you or you find a melody that just puts you in a good mood or takes you from a bad yeah. place to a good place. It has a power yeah. to do a lot of things. There's no other song that reminds me of the summers when I was growing up, like Stone in Love by Journey, you know? Dude, I was just going to tell you that, too. It's like, what, don't stop believing uh Stone and Love, those songs, man, those are uplifting tunes, man. And that's that. I agree with you there, Jay. It's, it's, it's such a healing thing. And, you know, and we, we need it back. <laughs> it yeah. does bring you back to your to your summers, man, when you're cruising on those crazy nights. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just freaking unbelievable. So. So 2021 is here. You've got some, you know, medical things you got to take care of. Outside of that, what is the plan for you this year? Well, for me, is obviously stay healthy, you know. Um, I think my family, after, you know, two years off, are ready. When are you going on the road, Dad? <laughs> they're getting sick of pop all over them all the time because, you know, it's my, they're my babies. So, um, for me, bro, I'm just going to 
like you said, they live for the moment. Take it day by day, you know. Uh, if When COVID goes away and things start opening up, um, you know, hopefully uh, I'll be doing some shows and we'll be playing. But for me, man, I think it's taught me a lot. This whole COVID thing, what's really important? And, and that is family and, and close friends. And, you know, uh, touring is great and music is beautiful and I'm grateful I do it. But it, it was a really good time to reflect on what was important. What is important to me, you know? So I'm just going to roll with it, dude. If Rise Above does some shows, I'll be there. It'll be fun. I mean, if, you know, some other bands need a drummer want to play, I'm just going to be a freelance, man. Just play with, you know, whoever. So we'll just, you know, that's it for me, man. You know, we'll see what happens. How long do you expect to be in recovery with your back? Usually they say four to six weeks. I had surgery on my back like God, 2012. I had my L5S1 uh, was, uh, was uh, herniated. So they put, I got four pins in my back. And they said, oh, it's going to take at least, you know, four to six weeks. The funny thing was, I healed up so damn quickly, bro. I was up walking, um, well, when I had the surgery, they had me get up two hours after the surgery and walk around the hospital. And I walked around 11 times. And they were like, don't do it a couple times. Like, I feel okay. I'm feeling all right. Within, I would say two to three weeks, dude, I'm raring to go. Because that's how quickly I healed with the last back surgery. I've had a ton of surgeries, bro. I got a, uh, had full hip replacement on my right side. Uh, four pins in the back, two pins in the neck. I'm just breaking down. <laughs> how how, how are you? How are you still a drummer? <laughs> Dude, that's the point. You know what? When you're on stage, and I'm sure any musician will tell you that you're in pain or whatever. As soon as you get on stage, do the adrenaline kicks in. You don't feel nothing. You're just blazing. The problem is when you're done. <laughs> you're like, oh my god, I am 56. You know, you feel it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had some. Some bone issues. I'm, I'm sure it has to do with a, a, a lot of the drugs that I did in my past. I'm sure it's it's taking its toll now. Well, you know, so you just roll with it, man. You got to do what you got to do. Glad I'm clean and sober now, and 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 not destroying it any more than I already did. You know, I do. I have heard a lot about you know drummers. You know, Neil. We talked about earlier. You know, when mm-hmm. Rush was ending, it was because he couldn't physically do it anymore. His shoulders were messed yeah. up. His feet were messed yep. up. You know, I, I I heard the same thing about Mick Brown, you know, the old Dockin drummer. Yep. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was a very physical drummer like you, too. I mean, he really hit yeah. the crap out of those drums. And, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, it does take a toll. Out of everybody in a band, the drummer is, yeah. he's like the catcher, you know, on a baseball team, you know? <laughs> yes. And we don't get a break, dude. We don't get a break. It's like nonstop, you know? You don't get a little time out. It's like, okay, go, go, go. You know, you can't just strum a couple chords. You know, it's a very physical thing, you know. So for me, yeah, man, I'm just grateful that I'm still playing, doing what I love, and, uh, you know, I'm not dead. <laughs> Bottom line, I'm not dead. So I'm grateful. It's, uh, and it does beat you up. It definitely beats you up, especially the way, you know, like guys like you were missing how they play. Remember Alex Van Halen with the, the neck yeah, brace thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing, man. I mean, you know, it's stuff's breaking down but uh man he kicked ass every night every time i saw him play man even with that freaking neck brace he was blazing i remember that i, I think it was the balance yeah. tour that i saw him and uh-huh. i was at alpine valley in wisconsin nice. um, great great place to see a show they don't have shows there anymore which i don't know why but um, oh wow i don't know why it's just crazy it was a great venue to go because you could yeah. tailgate all day you get there like yep noon you could cook out and then go to the yep. show and then i don't know what happened but what, yeah yeah i've still got i've still got a um uh, what is it a uh, a little bag that, that has the uh the name of the place on it a little duffel bag i still got that thing 
So that's still probably one of the only ones I do have. It's pretty cool. Uh, like, what a great venue, dude. What an incredible venue. Yeah, so I saw sad. so many bands there, and I think, gosh, I, I saw I saw Van Halen and Skid Row. and. Awesome. And uh, Alex had the neck brace on the balance tour, and I'm like, "What's what's, what's wrong with Alex?" And my buddy, who was you know who was a drummer, he's like, "Dude, he's a drummer. That's what just what happens." You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, but you know, you mentioned too about you know being grateful for all these things. You know, as a fan of yours, Dean, you know, I'm grateful that you're playing because you know obviously the history is there, and I don't want to get yeah. too much into it because. Everyone's yeah. moved on and everyone's positive, but oh, yeah. you know, you yeah. have, you know, found a place where you have, you know, made it back from a very dark place. And, you know, yeah, that, sure. and, and I know I have a friend who's had, you know, who's, who struggled with addiction for many years and he mm-hmm. often, often has mentioned you as an inspiration because, oh, because, you know, when, when he knew about your situation, it gave him hope that there's always a way back. There's yeah, always dude. a way back. And they, it's been, it's just struggle every day, dude. I'm not going to lie. I mean, anybody that says, oh, this is, I'm fine. I'm doing great. You know what? There are certain things, uh, certain streets in my hometown that I'll drive down and go, damn, I used to smoke crack on this street. Driving, you know? And it brings back stuff. And it's just like, ugh, dude, you know? So it is a struggle. You, you've got to be on your game 24-7. You really do. Because, I mean, it can take one thing, like the death of my father. I, you know, I thought I was going to freaking implode just you know it was bad bro because he was my best friend uh, and when he passed man i'm not gonna lie there were times i was like man i just want to grab a bottle and drink until i pass out because it hurts so badly but i thought well man if i do that then what <laughs> so it's not good alcohol ain't going to be enough then it's gonna be alcohol okay then it's gonna be you know what i'm saying so for me it was like i can't even take a drink i'd love to but i cannot so it's one of those things you've got you've got to be on your game all the time with this because anything can trigger you to blow it. Anything. Is it important to you when you're working on a project, whether it's Dead Daisies or this this new project that you're doing, to surround yourself mm-hmm. with good people that have your best yeah. interest at heart? Yes, dude. I mean, that's what I loved about the Daisies. I mean, they were very supportive. Good people, you know. Um, uh, Glenn, you know, another man in recovery. I think he's got like, I don't know, almost 30 years. Marco Mendoza had like 35 years. It's like, you know... Having those guys around you, it's definitely helpful, dude, because when you're feeling like you're going to implode or, you know, the stress or the, the, you know, whatever it is, I had somebody to talk to, like, dude, talk me off the bridge, talk me off this freaking ledge because I'm losing it. You know, it would be, it was great. And I love that about the Rise Above guys, all Christian guys, really positive guys, you know, um, and they're really supportive, you know, of of me and and what's going on with, with my situation with the back and things like that. So it's always good to be surrounded by great people, man. Of course. Yeah, I agree. You got to. I mean, especially in our in our industry, you know, because it's so easy to, hey, man, give me a line. Or, you know, hey, you got some pillies? You know, whatever it is, it's very easy to do. And you can stumble quickly. So having guys around to support you, like the guys in the daisies, always supportive, man. Doug Aldridge, supportive as hell. Love that man. He's more of a brother than me than some of my own brothers. So I'm very grateful that I got to be, I've been able to in the last five or six years since I got clean to be around people that were supportive, you know, it's really important. Because we do as a society, we always say everybody deserves a second chance. Right. And some people live that, you know, and and believe in that. Some people say it, but not necessarily, you know, mean it. You know, it's always interesting to see when someone does fall, how someone 
reacts to that person or treats that person. But, you know, knowing, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I've, I've known people who have struggled with addiction and knowing where, how that can go or where that can go. And for you to come out yeah. of it, like I said, dude, that's, I mean, you're a hero to a lot of people. Oh, dude, you know, I, I'm just a human being and I still make huge mistakes. Sure. I just haven't made the mistake, you know, using and killing myself. But no, dude, you, it's, I'm grateful. Again, it's all about gratitude. I got a second chance in life and I'm still doing what I love to do. You know, maybe not on the level of journey or anything like that, but I'm still playing and I'm, and I'm alive. That's the most important thing. I'm still a dad to my kids. I'm still a granddad to my grandbabies. I'm home, you know, I'm where I need to be. I'm in a good peaceful spot, which is important, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I'm sure that there's a much, there's much more of an appreciation as to, you know, where you're at is where your mindset's at. And also too, I bet you the music sounds better too. Oh, dude. I mean, as a player, I'm definitely more relaxed and I just play better. Everything is better. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to have shit days because I'm going to have shit days, but you know what? It's again, when you're living in a hundred percent gratitude all day long, just like, Oh my God. I mean, to be able to play again, dude, I never thought I would play again after all that stuff. I was written off. I mean, the industry wouldn't have nothing to do with it. It wouldn't talk to me. So, for me, I, I really had to work hard to go, you know what? I'm not done yet. This chapter is over, but it, I'm starting a new chapter. Let's move on. And I, I was grateful to David Lowy, very grateful for giving me a shot when nobody else would touch me. You know, And I, I love him to death, and I owe him a huge debt of gratitude. Very, very important. Because, again, I never thought I would play again. I was pretty pretty horrendous stuff that happened, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. grateful. Yeah. And also, you know, Neil's always been in your corner too. You know, I mean, oh yeah, you did the journey through time stuff with him and Marco, and and uh, yeah. you know, and and that was incredible stuff. It's too bad that never yeah. it went into more things, but um, yeah. but uh, that was a remarkable show when when you guys did that live concert as well. Yeah, for me, I mean, Neil's always been he's a, a true brother. I love him to death. Um, uh, again, I don't know what to say. He's he. Man, he went to bat for me so many different times, you know, and, and gave me second chances and third chances when I'd be screwed up on the road with Journey. I'm grateful for him too, man. I I, I owe him huge, you know. I love him. You know, uh, he's an only child, so he, he's always just seen me as his little brother. So, I mean, we're, we were tight, man. We we still are very tight, and I will I will love him to the day I die. I owe him a lot. Well, Dean, it's been a great conversation. Um, again, thank you very much for doing this. It's just, uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've been a fan of yours since I was a little kid here in Wild Dogs, and and uh, and uh, this is a, a pull, a, a complete full circle for me uh, with oh, having you on the podcast. Well, dude, I, I got to thank you, and not only thanking you as a journalist, but all the other journalists that have stepped up to keep, you know, to keep bands you know, flowing, you know, doing interviews like this is huge for any band or any artist, you know, dude, I'm grateful for you for reaching out to me. You know, I, I enjoyed this immensely. A great interview, dude. You're a badass. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully my son hears that. Cause that would, uh, that gives me <laughs> some streak. That gives me some street cred with street cred with my 16 year old son. <laughs> Let me talk to him. I'll talk to him. <laughs> Thank well, you, Jay. Well, Dean, it's been a blast. Thank you again. Um, Always. Everyone that's listening, the new Dead Daisies album is out, Holy Ground. You can 
Yep. You're going to be catching Dean again, you know, with some new stuff coming out in the new distant future, the near distant yep. future. And, yep. uh, you know, once again, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Now part of Pantheon podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.